0: Everybody, you guys doing good? All right, 50% good. We'll accept that for tonight. Um, So, uh, true, true confessions in church tonight. I, um, I know that one of the things inside my personality is I have um, just an an inclination towards like performance mentality. Um, I was a kid who wanted to do the right thing, who wanted to follow the rules. Who wanted to win, and I—I I do a lot of winning in games, and it was just kind of—it was kind of in my nature. And my—my uh, uh, my, my little brother was very different than me in that way. When—when um, when we grew up, we—we we had to learn an instrument, and so I wanted to play the organ. But I was seven years old when you have to kind of pick your instrument. Um, and uh, they were like, you can't reach the pedals of the organ, so we're gonna we're gonna go with piano for now. So I started taking piano lessons since I was seven, and I remember seeing the difference between me and my brother. He started uh, on guitar, and when I would get to like recital time, it was just like I would stress massively about a recital. Like honestly, the most stressful moments of my childhood were recitals, um, and. Many of you can relate. If you took piano lessons and you had to do a recital every so often, you know that feeling of like, this is the worst. And I like piano and I hate this. And I remember one time, I was probably like 14, and I went to my brother's guitar recital, and I saw him right before uh, he played, and he's just like as if nothing was happening that day. Like, he could have just gone to watch a TV show instead of doing a recital. And I was like, I, they're okay. So that means there's something different about me than him and, uh, and, and there's always like, there's good things to that and there's also bad things to that. And, and we, all, we all have them. We have giftings and shadow sides to our giftings. Um, but with, with this performance um, mentality, I really started to feel that rub of like, I see myself wanting to perform in order to gain acceptance. So. I remember like I, I, I'd enter a piano competition and it's like all this pressure, all this effort, why? So that someone else who's really good at this instrument tells me that I'm good at it. And, and so much work and so much stress went into that for me and then when I was uh, 13 years old I discovered, you could say, <laughs> um, worship music because um, one of my friends had had this service at a church. They were at a different church, and they invited me to play. They are like, you play piano, right? And I was like, sure. (laughs) And and playing classical music, which is how I was trained, is very, very different than worship music and and style in so many ways. But here's what I fell in love with instantly, is that in, in classical music, I was playing in order to achieve something with other people, whereas in worship music, I was playing because something had happened in my life, and I had to respond to that. And it was just so like different, the experience of a recital versus playing worship music. And that's why, like, when I play worship music, it, doesn't, it honestly doesn't even matter how many people are in the room because I'm not doing it in order to gain something. I'm doing it because something's happened in my heart and it's in response to that. And that's the heart inside of this passage that we're jumping into in Ephesians chapter five. It's continuing the idea that Paul's going to give us some things to do. But if you're anything like me, hear his heart. It's not to gain something. It's if you've gained what we've talked about in chapters one, two, three, four, you're going to start seeing these things come in your life. They should start showing up. He's going to pull you out of, you know, doing things to achieve acceptance into doing the things because you've received accept- acceptance from God. And um, so that's why we have to walk in our new identity. We've talked about this already multiple weeks. You can be saved, you can be a child of God and not act like it. And this is Paul saying, hey, this is who you are. You are chosen, okay? You are sealed by the spirit. You've been saved by grace through faith. He's telling us all the things, you are this, but sometimes you don't act like that. And that's what what we're talking about here, continuing that concept here in Ephesians chapter five. First, let me pray, and then we'll dive into this topic. This message for tonight is called Be Filled with the Spirit. That's what we're diving into. Be filled with the Spirit. Let me pray. Father, oh, how we need you right now. Without your presence, without you being the one speaking, nothing here will happen. And um, these will just be words. And God, my heart is that they wouldn't just be words, but that there would be power in this message because of what you want to say through your word. So accomplish what you want to accomplish here in this place. We come open-handed, with open hands, open hearts, all to express that we want to hear from you, God. And uh, may that be what happens. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so the last messages in the series, uh, we've been talking about what it means that we're made new. Okay, so we're new. So how do we live that out? Uh, The last message specifically in this series was the one where I talked about Awake, O Sleeper. That's, um, if you remember, I was saying, some of us, what God's saying is, you can be awake and enjoy all the blessings, but you're just choosing to sleep. And you're missing out, you're missing out. And, and I'm reminding you of that because this next passage is directly connected to that. It's, it's a continuation of the exact same thought. So don't do this, do this, because this is life. This is freedom, this is a thing where you're gonna get to enjoy the presence of God in your life and um and so he's we're picking it up the same thought here tonight with some more guidance from paul on what our new identity looks like in real life how does it look well here's how it looks ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says this look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of time because the days are evil and we can relate to this, that sense of, man, things aren't going super great in the world. The days are evil. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, that is something Paul says, and he says, because these are the days that are evil, we gotta make, make what we have count. We have a time, for right now, for our little blip of in the timeline of history that is our life. We have things to accomplish, and so we need to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, but why the first thing that he's teaching us is that we're supposed to walk in wisdom, walk in wisdom. And uh, this is the sixth time in the book of Ephesians that we've talked about this concept of walking. So just as a reminder, when Paul says walk, he's saying every day, day to day life, that's where you're going to see it. It's not an event. It's a way of living. So when he says walk, not as unwise, but wise, he's saying this is something you're supposed to practice every single day. And when we bring up the topic of wisdom, honestly, it can be a bit nebulous. And that's because there's the wisdom of the world and there's the wisdom of God. And so I'm not here to tell you that whatever you think wisdom is, where it involves some old person with a long beard that you go ask questions to, that's not what I'm talking about here. Wisdom, the wisdom of God that we're talking about, is the, it's the skillfulness of life in living the Jesus way. So, so much time we think of wisdom as something I have to internalize, I have to like swallow. I need to be more wise by just knowing more things. And obviously knowledge is involved with wisdom, but I want you to stop thinking about wisdom as something that's in here and start thinking about wisdom as the actions that came out. It's the skillfulness. Someone who's wise in the ways of the Lord is someone who's really skillful at living the way of God. Not just saying things that you're like, oh, that's so wise, that's such a great thought. No, it's more than that. It can involve knowledge, of course it involves knowledge, but it's more than that. It's it's someone you look at and you say, man, they really believe this stuff and they live it out. That's a wise person. And, And the hope is that as we live more time on earth, yes, with age should come more wisdom, but that's not always the case. I know people younger than me I consider wiser than many people older than me. So it's not always connected to age, but the hope is, and that's what I want for my life, I want to get to the end of my life and be more wise, not in here, but in my feet and in my hands, that I am skillful in living out the way of Jesus. Because when we talk about topics of wisdom, we are moving beyond just the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord is perfect in every way. It's beautiful. It revives the soul. There's so many things that God's, law gives to us, but it's not the end game. And, and it's, it's not like literally God saying, just learn these rules, do these things, and that's it. No, God has so much more for us. And this is why I believe that the world kind of points at Christianity and says, it's just rules, right? Like for someone who doesn't really know a lot about Christianity, their general perspective is like, it's just a bunch of people telling people what not to do. And I think that's a reduction on purpose of what they think Christianity is, so that we miss out on what it really is, which is it's beyond just the law of the Lord. When there's law from God, it's awesome. It's God protecting us. We've talked about this so many times already. It's God protecting us. He's saying, that's going to hurt you. I don't want that for you. But it doesn't stop. There's this thing called wisdom. And wisdom involves so much more than just what is written in this book. Because there are questions that each one of us has that we say, okay, can we find the answer to that specific thing in this book? Maybe, maybe not. But you can find wisdom in this book. And wisdom will guide you in making a decision. It, wisdom is the part that's going to help you. So if that, I mean, that's what God has for us, then it, it, it reminds me a lot of my children. This, this idea of moving beyond the law. I love um, uh, my oldest, Daniela. She's nine, then Raphael's seven, and then we have Fiona, who's two. And with Fiona, there's just the law of mom and dad right now, okay? That's all there is. It's, it's don't do this, do this, I'm protecting her. But it's been so fun now that I have a nine and a seven year old. We, we are starting to move beyond the law of mom and dad. And we're starting to get to the phase where we're trying to teach them wisdom. We're not, mommy and daddy aren't always gonna have a do this, don't do this. Life's way more complex than that. And it took time for them to grow, to get to the space of wisdom. And so my encouragement to you guys is don't downplay the law of the Lord. It's perfect in every way and it's for your good. But if that's all you've experienced in Christianity, I'm just telling you, you're missing a lot of what's really, really awesome about being a child of God. You're missing out on the part where God says, I'm not gonna tell you yes or no. There isn't a yes or no in this one. There's what do you wanna do? And, and, and does it line up with all the things I've taught you in my law? Have, have you learned everything from the law and now you get to live in wisdom? And that I have found are the greatest moments of joy in my Christian walk. It's the wisdom stuff for me. The, the law of the Lord, some people really struggle with that. I'm not, that's, it's just not my personality. I'm like, if it's a rule, I'm in, there's a reason for it. That's not, it's not me. Other people, they're like, if it's a rule, why is it a rule? <laughs> and, and how close can I get to the edge of that rule? You know, like everyone's different and that's okay but I just wanna make sure you hear that God has all this in store for you in regards to wisdom. And that's why he's saying we need to walk in wisdom. So to bring that to a practical sense, let me just give you four ways to find wisdom. Remember, it's not internal, it's how do I live this out? How do I live the wisdom? How do I walk it out? Um, None of these are gonna be surprising to you, but um, let me just point out the nuances of them. So the first thing, how to find wisdom, you're gonna find it in prayer, you are going to find wisdom in prayer. And the first one you say, well, obviously like prayer, like prayer is the answer to everything, right, in church. Um, let, me, let me be very clear why that has to be the first thing on the list. I have sought to make decisions and to live out wisdom without prayer. I'm guilty of that. I've tried to do that. And I'm telling you, the results aren't the same so to say i want to have god's input and spirit and him speaking to me and yet i don't spend any time speaking to him when am i listening if i can't even speak and spend time when do i listen then i'm simply asking for god to put something in the mail with the answer and prayer is the opposite of that just so you know that's why i always talk about we think of prayer naturally as like a line up from me to god and god's like no no prayer is a circle and I'm involved in this circle. And if you pray, you jump in with me. <laughs> and this process starts of me speaking, you speaking, me, you know, God hearing my prayers, me hearing from God, me sensing what God wants, all that. It's it's this beautiful partnership that happens. But you have to be in prayer. It's on you, that's your choice. You can choose to pray about that topic, or you can choose not to. And I wish I could say I've always prayed about every single topic I needed wisdom for. That's just not true of me. But that's why we start here, how am I gonna find it? It starts in prayer. I find it in prayer. Second thing, I find it in the Bible. When the Bible speaks to something you are seeking guidance on, it does speak to it, that is wisdom, that is skillfulness. There's not one thing you can take from God's word, put it in practice in your life, and be like, oh, that was just foolish. (laughs) There's nothing in there that you can find that will be that way. And if this is where we're gonna find you know, guidance, wisdom, then it's just logical to say, you, you have to know what's in here in order to put that into practice. So if it's like, okay, I'm gonna find wisdom in the Bible, but I don't wanna spend any time knowing what the Bible says, you're not gonna find the wisdom in the Bible. There, there's certain things you're never gonna Google and find in here, okay? Google can help you with some of the topics, right? But there's some things i'm telling you some things you're going to find only because you were spending time in the book and then you were like what that's in there you're going to find that and that's wisdom that's wisdom for your life you're going to find it in prayer in the bible next you're going to find it in others you are going to find wisdom in other godly people and um that is because not all the things specifically in your, going on in your life you're going to find right here in the book. Like I said, only if it applies. There's going to be things you're going to face and you're going to be like, okay, I looked, I Googled, I spent time in here, I found nothing, I asked people about it, I found nothing. Okay, now it's time to ask others for wisdom. And then you ask yourself, well, who do I ask? And my answer to that is refer to points one and two of that list. Who are the other people I should ask? Ask a person who you know is living a life of prayer. Ask a person who you know spends time in God's Word. That's that's all you need to do. They don't have to be on staff at a church. They don't have to, you, you don't even have to know them personally. Like, if you just know that they have a reputation of those two things, people of prayer and people of the Word, I think that's a good place to start to find wisdom. So you're going to find it in prayer, in the Bible, in others. But then this last point, because just because you ask someone for wisdom, that doesn't mean you'll find it. And that is why, just because you ask them, and you're like, well, I've heard they pray, i heard they spend time in the Bible, that doesn't mean they're gonna give you wisdom, and that's why God's word presents this last last point, which is you're gonna find it in multiple people. You're gonna find it in multiple people. So yes, you're gonna ask other people, but don't just ask one person. Um, i found that as I'm trying to pastor and help people, and they're kinda navigating the topics of wisdom of their life, we go through the prayer. Are you praying about this? Yes. Have you sought God's word? What does it say about this? Yes, it says this, great. That gave me some guidance. And then I asked someone else and they told me this and it went terrible. You're missing the last point, that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So you do listen to every single person that you're asking, but you ask more than one because the beauty is that there's a protection inside the fact that if you ask three people the same question and they all three say the same thing, there's a safety there. Okay, that's wisdom. And if you ask three people the same thing and get three completely different answers, at least that reveals that you have the wisdom to say, I need to take some time on this because I don't see any wisdom on this topic. And then just wait, and then keep asking more people. (laughs) See, it becomes very practical at that point. And then continue all the same things. You're still in prayer, you're still spending time in the word, you're asking other people, and then you're looking for that in the multitude of people, multiple people. I'm telling you guys, that is, that's wisdom right there. That's how you find it. And, um, and I cannot just teach that to you. I can tell you that is real. I've lived that. Every single major decision in my life, those are the four things that help me find wisdom. So I'm not just teaching it. I'm entrusting that to you and saying, I, I've, I've lived that to be true. Um, and, and that is available for you just as much as it is for me. So we're gonna walk in wisdom. Then the second thing, we're gonna do is we're gonna understand the will of God. It's right there in verse 17 when he says this, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. All right, we finally got to the topic, right? No young adults pastor can last 12 months without preaching about the will of God. And I've mentioned it here and there, but we finally actually made it to it. Uh, Here it is, the will of God, and um, I love this verse because it presents something quite different than what I originally thought the will of God was. And um, two things about this verse that I'm going to point out, and then we're going to talk about the will of God, and and just, uh, I'm going to give you an illustration that's been helpful for me as I've lived this out. The two things I want to point out is that notice that he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Anytime a contrast is presented in scripture, the contrast, the thing he's saying, don't be, is just as helpful as the thing he's saying, do be that. Okay? So he's saying, don't be foolish. What, what, when you hear the word foolish, that should always ring a bell and be like, okay, yeah, that's the opposite of wise. That's what the Bible talks about. You can either be the wise person or you can be the fool. Okay? And those are the two, two options. So he's, he's connecting the will of God to wisdom. Okay, living, walking in wisdom is connected to understanding the will of God. Because so many times we think of the will of God as, um, as just this prize that we're gonna find if we're lucky. And he's say, no, 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 live this out day by day. Wisdom, wisdom, find it in those four ways. You do that and guess what is gonna happen is you're gonna understand the will of God. That's what's gonna happen. Uh, I'll explain that how that pans out here in a second. But the second thing I wanna point out Is that the word understand in the original language when he says that you'll understand the will of what the will of the Lord is? Understand is not a cognitive word, meaning he's not saying you will receive information that is the will of God. Okay? That's always what we think. God, is it your will for me to do this or that? And then I understand that God's saying, yes, it's this. Okay, that's that, it can be that, but the word understand is greater than that. The word understand specifically means that you applied the knowledge you have. So you're gonna gain knowledge as you live through life with wisdom, walk in wisdom, and then when you do it, that's when you understand the will of God. And so much more, You know, when we think of the will of God, we think of it as something that's crippling. Like, I can't move until I hear the will of God and God say, no, it's the opposite, it's the doing. It's live out the wisdom, and as you do that, you will understand what my will is. And um, so here, here's the picture I would give to you. And this is just my experience on how I've sought the will of God. I originally thought it was gonna be something like this. So this is the largest book in my office I could find because um, I remember I used to watch like, there was this cartoon about some bears who used to trip out on some juice and, um, and they all had this book. And, um, and this book was like inside their temple kind of thing. And we think of God's will as like that kind of thing, where it's like we're living life. And if we could only find the mysterious book of the will of God, if I could just, you know, become Nicolas Cage and like do the national treasure thing and get to this book and then be like, oh, I found it. It's God's will. And look at this is my interlinear Bible. So it like has like Hebrew and Greek and I don't read either of those languages but that's why it helps me um, but this looks really mystical <laughs> it's like oh here it is and an H H O a Hoagland there I am Hoagland what am I supposed to do oh Christina I bet Christina I'm supposed to marry her and like you're thinking like that's what I have to find I have to find the things that my life is supposed to be and I'm just telling you guys in my experience it's never been that way for me Okay? I've never experienced the will of God in such a way where I literally just hit a piece of information. and I was like, oh, there it is. I found it. So it's less of like this magic book that you need to spend your life searching for. And it's a lot more like going on a road trip with God. It's a lot more like saying, okay, so the will of God is this car. And I get to choose if I want to hop in that car or not. And I'm going to hop in the car. And so I hop in the car and we're going on a road trip and and I'm spending time with Jesus and he's driving and Jesus take the wheel and we sing the song together. And um, <laughs> and he's like, here's a map, like, where do you wanna go? And and I'm like, oh, I, well, I kinda wanna go to this town. And, and Jesus is like, you know nothing good comes out of that town. Like, we don't need to go to that town, right? Like, that's, that's not for your good. And you're like, I'm kinda like, well, I kinda want to though. There's like something pulling me towards him. And he's like, yeah, that's your flesh. That's a real thing. and. Um, but that's not best for you. And so I say, okay, yeah, that's right, God. I'm not going to go to that town. And I'm like, well, what if we went to um, what if we went to the beach or what if we went to the mountains, God? Like, which, which one should we go to? And God's like, whichever you want to go to. Both of those are fine. There's nothing I have to say to influence your decision either way. And so we go to the beach because I wanted to go to the beach. And that's God delighting in me and me delighting in God. And that happens inside the will of God. It's not just God telling me things. There's this... Conversation. There's a circle. There's not just a line. And and I'll be looking at the map and I'll be like, oh, we're this far away from the beach. And then suddenly I feel the car stop and I feel, and I look up and God's like, oh, I wanted to stop at this restaurant because I know this is your favorite restaurant. And I just, this all this is about is just blessing you. There was nothing you had to pick or decide or torture yourself over. Should we eat here or there? He's like, I just wanted to bless you. I know you love this place. And I, I'm trying to present the picture of Uh, the will of God as living out wisdom and spending time with God, and less of you begging God for him to say something because you don't know what to do. If you'll just get closer, spend more time in that car, spend more time talking with him, I can tell you by experience that I found and I understood the will of the Lord when I did that. And when I chose to hop out of that car and start my own scavenger hunt to find that book, I found myself very frustrated. Very frustrated with God specifically. So I'm just trying to give you guys a sense of what it really is like when you're seeking the will of God. And so when you're saying, should I have this job? And if you feel a tension in your spirit, then ask yourself, what's the tension? God, what's this tension? I have this job and what's this tension? Oh, well, it's actually because they're asking me to do something that's against my personal convictions. Great, there's my answer. If God doesn't bless it, then why would I be a part of it? So it gives you some practical steps. Okay, now I can make a decision. Instead of feeling like God has to say no, maybe he already did, you just didn't see it. And the only way you're gonna see it is more time with him. More time with him in prayer, in the word, listening to wisdom from others and from multiple people. That's how it happens, all right? So we're going to walk in wisdom. We're also going to understand the will of God, but it's all leading towards this, and this is really the point of the message. That's why I titled it the message. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, he continues in verse 18 through 21, he says this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, in God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for christ now i i have always thought that it is odd that the illustration given of what kind of like the opposite the antithesis of being filled with the spirit is and it's it's drunkenness and i don't know if, if that affects you guys the same way i've always been like that's so weird like it just feels like such a left turn for me in scripture And honestly, as a preacher, there's always the temptation to be like, okay, I'm not gonna talk about that. I'll just focus on the be filled with the Spirit stuff, because I don't know exactly like why God chose that. But like I've always said to you guys, if God chose to illustrate something through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Paul to the church in Ephesus, I'm gonna believe that there's something there for us. Okay? So I, I spent some time this weekend, I was like, okay. So if that's the picture, if he's saying don't be drunk with wine, and then but instead be filled with the spirit, I just started asking the Lord and I asked him, I said, what is it inside of drunkenness that I need to see? What is it in here that is the antithesis of what you have for us? And so I just started thinking like, what are the reasons why people get drunk? And I know there's, I mean, there's an infinite number, I'm sure. But um, just to name a few, I started thinking, well, some people get drunk, for acceptance some people get drunk because there is a group of people and they're already massively insecure they feel they don't feel known or seen or loved in any way they walk into a group of people in such an environment that they feel that if they partake in a large amount of drinking that gains them acceptance inside of a group that they desperately want it from and there's actually no deep desire for alcohol in them it's simply the desire to belong that's driving them in this direction and sometimes That's the only time they do it, and sometimes it awakens an addiction in them and it just leads down a terrible path for them. Debauchery, that's what the Bible calls it. And some people do it for that reason. Uh, um, Another reason out there is people develop a sense that what they are, they develop a self-hate. So the real life of who they are is what they hate. And so they drink and they get drunk because they believe that that version of themselves is the better version. It's kind of like you know living in a in a false reality. They're trying to spend more time in that world. Um, it's like an in Inception. You know when he talks about like people who like dream all the time. If you've seen the movie, I forgot. Some of you may have not, but that's kind of your fault. That's a great movie. Um, anyways, there's, they they like dream as part of the the movie, and there's people who just dream all the time. And the and there's this line where he says the dream has become their reality. And that's what I think of some, some people, the dream, this alternate version of themselves in drunkenness, that's, they want that to be their reality. But sadly, it never becomes their reality. You always come back out of that. And uh, the last reason I'll mention is uh, the one that's very obvious to everyone inside of culture who sees this practice regularly is that it is one of the methods of medicating your pain. That's why you know the phrase, drink away your sorrows, like all these things, this is commonly known in culture because it, it is a brief reprieve from what I feel is unbearable in life. And I don't really care what it is as long as it gets me away from what's real and what hurts at this level. And just naming three of the reasons that we could just come up with so easily of what, what appeals to people in regards to drunkenness and why people pick up that bottle And say yes I'll partake in this all the way to the point of drunkenness is because you're choosing a bottle for those things when God has already offered you something to have those things you're saying oh if I could just get drunk then maybe this group of friends will accept me well what about a reality where the father and creator of everything accepts you and 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 I'm doing this because I I believe that the better version of me is this version. What if God says that I actually have a plan for your life and it's really awesome and I don't regret making you in any way. I'm very, very happy with the personality I gave you. I'm very, very happy with all the quirks I gave you. You are my child and that's beautiful to me. And the best version of you is the one I made. So come back into that. And what what if instead of having to drown my sorrows away and run away from my pain, The God of the universe says, hey, but if you do these things, this is my way of getting close to you in pain. You don't have to run away. I'm coming closer and closer. And so I just think maybe that's some of the reason why God presents this idea because here's drunkenness and here's what we're about to study, what it means to be filled with the spirit and what he's presenting you is the choice that you and I have. And the choice you have in drunkenness, it's always your choice to pick up that bottle. And he's saying, here's three other bottles, if you will. Here's three other bottles that you can still pick. And if you're running away, if you're doing anything to distract yourself from the things, the options that I'm presenting to you, here's what it looks like to pick the Holy Spirit. Here's what it's gonna look like when you take this bottle, take a drink of this. What's that drink? It's these three things that are presented inside the passage, and we're gonna spend our time just studying what are those three things. Let's apply them and then we'll be done for today. The three things are, right there inside the passage, you can see it for yourself, but be filled with the Spirit, and then he lists the three things. You could almost add the word by, starting in verse 19, he says, by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, many um, many scholars, when they have studied this passage, they've said that, Um, being filled with the spirit is is the event that he's presenting this happens and when you're filled then you see the things like addressing each other with spiritual hymns then you see those things happen Um, and uh, I I've actually as I spent some time on this this week I realized that I believe that the passage is pointing us to more of an interpretation of saying that the filling of the spirit happens by means of these things that as you do these things, that's when the filling happens. Now, here's, well, the reason I believe that, specifically in this passage, is because the context of the passage, living out the wisdom and and understanding the will of God, that would all make more sense to say, okay, and as you do these things, then you're filled with the Spirit. Also, the grammar of the sentence, uh, for those people which, like I said, I don't know Greek, I don't speak it, but I spend the time studying the people who do know it, and I listen to all their arguments, and I'm like, yeah, I, I see how that's the one that makes the most sense in regards to the original language. Um, and, uh, if that's, what's being said, that's extremely significant because there are, you know, there's some of us who we have an experience that we can say that was, that was when the Holy Spirit really got a hold of me. And, and I am not here to tell you or, or negate anything that God's done. If God did in your life, I affirm it and I support it fully because I know the things that leads to, and all those things are awesome. But what I'm bringing up here in this passage is, I also know that that's not every single one of our story. You may not have a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly when I would say, then that, you know, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and then I started seeing these things. For, for some of us, it's actually like, well, I started walking out these things in my life and then I, I experienced the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that's what this passage is bringing up. Not some separate thing that you have to say, okay, be filled and then these things happen no he's saying be filled by doing these things if if you put your whole heart into the three things we're about to talk about the filling of the spirit comes with that so the three things are one he says gather with God's people and worship sing gather with God's people regularly and sing and um, if you've ever wondered why he lists those words there's, there's a lot of talk among scholars about, like, why psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Honestly, guys, it doesn't really make a difference. We know the psalms are the psalms, the book of praises that the Jewish culture would have known. He's like, so, so using the songs from the Old Testament, and then he uses the term hymns. Hymns is the general word for any song written to a heavenly being, a spiritual being. So if, if they went into the temple of Artemis, they would have called the songs being sung in that temple hymns, okay? So he's saying, use songs to gods, but use them for God, the God, the one true God. And then he says spiritual songs, which is um, just bringing uh, specificity to the fact that the songs should come from a place of time with the Holy Spirit. This isn't just like someone's thinking, you know, thinking up a song and then just being like, oh, let's just say that song is singing to jesus and that's what he went no i actually believe that what we're invited into is a process of things that emanate from time with the holy spirit and so this is why new life church is committed to writing songs and we fully believe sing to the lord a new song is part of the invitation and we steward that as best as we can and i'm telling you that experience of seeing these new songs come to life that's what spiritual songs are it's they didn't just come out of nothing they came out of time with jesus they came out of time with the holy spirit You know spending time with him and saying lord what do you want to say what haven't we sung about you that we should be singing about all that that's a spiritual song but the point isn't really the specificity of what those words are the point is bring whatever you got that's the point he's trying to make because he uses a word to speak to the jewish culture then he uses a word that would have spoken to the gentiles then he uses a word that would have spoken to everyone what is he trying to say whoever wherever you grew up whatever it sounded like bring it to god Bring it in worship to Jesus. If you got a guitar, use your guitar. If you don't have a guitar, use whatever you got. You got drums, you know, you grew up in a different culture, style, bring whatever you have. And the point is use it for God. Worship him and gather with God's people regularly. Then he says, give thanks always. Give thanks always. And giving thanks as a discipline in your life is the filling of the Spirit in your life. I don't know how I can give thanks always without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can tell you guys, I, there's no chance I would have thanked God for some of the things that have happened if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit. And to be specific about what I mean by that, I want you to bring up to mind, think about, think about one of the most difficult things you've ever gone through in life. Remember when that was. Think, oh, it was around this year. Here's what was going on. Here's what I was facing. Here was my involvement in it. Here's how much was happening to me. Here's how much was happening to people I loved. Just, just bring that to mind. And now that we stand further down, further away from that situation that you've lived in, can you look back and see God's goodness woven in it? You can see that now, maybe, but I also remember being in it and being like, I I don't see it. I have no idea where the goodness of God is woven. And the process of growing a discipline to give thanks always is the process of you saying, okay, now that I'm over here, I look back at that situation, and I do see the goodness of God woven inside that scenario where he was near to me. He shared in suffering with me. I sensed his nearness even though things were going terribly in my life. And thankfulness, growing the discipline is to say, because I now see that in that, as I face today, even though I don't see it, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to thank God for the things I don't see, but I believe. That's how you get the discipline of, that's why he can say, give thanks always. Because at first you're like, always, are you kidding me? No, maybe not as you're like, oh, I give thanks God that this terrible thing's happened to me. No, no, no. It's. I give thanks to you, God, that you are good in the midst of this terrible thing. And I believe with my whole heart that there are good things you're up to in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of this brokenness that I have to live through called earth. I believe that surely your goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And for that, I give you thanks. For that, I'm gonna give you thanks. And that, if you get to that place where you can grow in that giving thanks to God, giving thanks to others, giving thanks to god for others all those things that's the filling of the spirit in you and the third thing he mentions he says submitting to one another Uh, the word submitting there in that verse he's saying think about others more significantly than yourself that's how paul presents the same exact idea in the book of philippians he's saying that we would count others more significant than ourselves the point being When you don't just look inward and you start looking at the needs of others and saying, you know what, that matters to me. Their pain is going to be my pain. Their joy is going to be my joy. I want to think of and love them, give of myself to them. And when he says one another, we're talking about inside the family of God. If you do that in the family of God, that's that's the spirit at work in you. He's filling you up and he's overflowing in you. And that is, that's one of the greatest joys in life is when you see the Christian go from this to this. Instead of just, okay, I need the Bible, I need a sermon, I need a good worship song, I need all these things, I need that, I need it, need, I, need, I need it, I need it. But you know what? They need something. And so much of your growth can be stunted in the Christian life if you're only doing the inward stuff so many of you maybe you're like man i i feel like i grew and grew and grew and then something just stopped in my christian walk were you loving others were you thinking about others because maybe that's what's in the way of this next season of growth that god has for you so that's the filling of the spirit here's how those things happen and as we spend time on these three applications i want you to ask the holy spirit right now which one do you, Which one is God inviting you into specifically tonight? And maybe you're like, it's all three. Well, that's great. If that's, if that's what the Lord's saying, that's great. Can I just tell you, one would be perfect. <laughs> We're not trying to fix everything here tonight. We're trying to say yes to God. And the enemy tries to overwhelm you with all these things of like, oh my gosh, you gotta do all these things. And God's like, no, 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 let's just do this. Let's just do this. And so I ask you, How's your commitment to gather with God's people regularly in worship? This has been challenged because we now have online ways of, you guys can watch better sermons just so easily on YouTube. Like You don't have to come on Tuesday night to hear a sermon. It's everywhere right now. But you're not gathering with us to worship Jesus when you just watch someone else's sermon. The reason I love Tuesday nights is because of my commitment to worship God regularly with God's people in every opportunity I can fit because I've experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit in these moments. It's me doing these things that my commitment to this is that I get to experience that. And some of you, you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know what you mean by the filling of the Spirit. I don't, I don't think I have a sense of what that's like at all. Well, I ask you, is church and gathering with God's people something you view as a bonus? Like, I'll, I'll go if I can make it, if it's convenient on that day. If nothing gets in the way, then I'll go. Well, then maybe that's why you're missing out. And what God's invitation is, is just say, hey, make a commitment. Say, I, I am gonna gather with God's people regularly and be committed to it. And I know things happen. Like, I, I get sick just like anyone else. Like, I'm not saying something obnoxiously legalistic. I'm just saying the reason for my commitment is because I've experienced the filling of the Spirit as I gather with God's people in worship and I want more of that. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's the second one for you where you need to grow in the discipline of expressing thankfulness. Where thankfulness doesn't even feel like a category in your life because it's never been something you're like, I have to come back to that. It's like, yeah, I'll say thank you. You know, It's, it's not good manners. Thankfulness isn't good manners. Thankfulness is proper perspective, okay? It's not you saying, oh, thank you, God, for such a delicious meal. That's why we pray before our meals. No, the discipline of praying before a meal is, nowhere in scripture, by the way. But it's a healthy discipline. Why? Because it brings me into thankfulness if I'm willing to go there. And I love praying before meals. I love thanking God for things that have nothing to do with the meals before meals. Why? Because it helps me. It's, it's one of my disciplines of saying, I'm gonna come back to thankfulness. And if you can't easily name the last time you expressed your thankfulness to God, that's the invitation. Maybe you need to say that to God right now. There's something he's done. He's been so good to you and you've never said that to him. Well, tonight could be that night. You could express that to him. And the last thing is think of others more significant than yourselves. I would challenge you guys, if, if you see a need in one of your brothers or sisters' lives, and you've seen it, I would, I would argue that you're seeing it not by chance. The fact that you're seeing it is probably the fact that god's calling you to meet it if it's at all within your reach if there's anything you could do to meet that need whatever it is i'm not talking about financial It can be financial things it can be anything any kind of need if you see it and you can meet that need my challenge to you is to not let this week end without doing something there do something to meet that need and if you're like, oh, well, if we're going to count others more significant than ourselves, like it, should be, it shouldn't be just like a pastor telling us to do it and then we do it. Well, no, I, that's not the entirety of it. But would you argue that it's less than that? That loving others is less than like just simply responding to a challenge? Obviously not. It's so much more. But I'm just saying it's not less than this. So here's the challenge. If you see a need, if the Holy Spirit has now brought up something in you, act on that. Commit to gather with God's people regularly or commit to growing in the discipline by expressing thanksgiving to God or meet that need that God's brought up in front of you. So let's just take a minute right now. You guys can bow your heads and this is just our way of of kind of getting alone with the Lord even though we're in a room. Just so you can focus because this is from God to you. And I ask you, what is it? Which one of those three? We pray right now, Holy Spirit, which one of those three? What is it you want? And whatever went right there through your heart, it's not your choice to say yes. Yes, you can brush it off. Yes, you can ignore that. And that's what we've talked about. That's the grieving of the spirit. Don't grieve him, step into this. Take a risk, take a step of faith, say, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. This is what it is, Lord, and I'll step in faith and say, I wanna lean into these things so that I can be filled with your spirit and overflow with your spirit into the lives of others. Father, thank you for your kindness towards us. It's your kindness towards us that leads us to change our minds. It's not your harshness, it's you're, you're not that father. Any discipline we've experienced in life, it's because you love us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not trying to punish us, you're trying to say there's a better way that's for better joy for you. <laughs> so Lord, we receive that word from you and we say we wanna step into this. And for whatever it is that you're leading right now with all the people, all my brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, we give you our yes. And we say thank you, God. Thank you for not being the God who spoke, but for being the God who speaks. We say thank you, Lord. And now we continue our giving thanks to you as we worship your son, Jesus Christ, in this place. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and thank the Lord in song.